BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, and welcome to The Bay, local news to keep you rooted. So much of life is online these days, and public libraries have played a huge role in making sure that everyone who needs to stay connected can. It's actually pretty common for most libraries, including in the Bay Area, to keep their internet on 24 hours a day. But that's not the case at one San Francisco library branch, where recent public documents reveal that turning off the Wi-Fi has actually become the latest strategy for keeping unhoused folks out of the neighborhood. They feel that we don't deserve to have Wi-Fi because we're homeless and we're non-people. Today, what turning off the Wi-Fi's got to do with homelessness and what happens when that lifeline goes offline. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. Even here in the Bay Area, there's still a stark divide between who has internet access and who does not. Sydney Johnson is a digital reporter for KQED. 
and that's mostly due to affordability. And San Francisco's public library is the largest provider of high-speed internet access across the city. So for anyone who doesn't have a subscription at home, or even for people who don't have strong enough bandwidth to maybe support multiple devices, the public library is crucial. And to go back to the pandemic, when I think there was a big spotlight and a lot of attention on this issue, I was covering education at that time and, and how Wi-Fi was an issue for schools doing distance learning. So I, I met students who would park their cars in front of fast food restaurants, libraries, maybe their, their own campus, and work from there. Many social services like food stamps, Medi-Cal, housing applications, college applications, job applications, business applications. This has all been shifted online. And if you can't access the Internet, you know, you can only really marginally participate in society here in the Bay Area. And you may even be missing out on some of the opportunities that are there to help you get out of that situation. And, and this story, Sydney, that we're talking about focuses on the Harvey Milk Library in San Francisco. And I know you actually met someone who is homeless outside of the library. Can you introduce me to Joe and tell me a little bit about who he is and, and what his story is? Um, well, just to start off, what's your name? Uh, Joe. Joe. Okay. Everybody calls me yeah, Joe was one of several folks that I met who live in the area outside the library. Uh, they are unhoused. Joe said he has lived in that area and has been unhoused for many years. So many years he didn't actually have an exact number that he could recall. How long have I been staying out here? Real question. Fifteen years at least. And he said he uses the Wi-Fi in the library often. He knows the librarians. He goes inside during the day when the doors are open often. Yeah. Sorts of things like go online, you know, while I'm in there, and I, I go in and do schoolwork or, mm-hmm. or whatnot, or, or work on something that I'm working on online. You know, the things that we use on our devices at night, too. So it was really important for him. You know, it was just sort of this regular service that um, was free and, and was there for folks like him. And he felt like he was being punished for using it in a way when, when it got shut off at evenings. It's annoying. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, 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 it's inconsiderate. Mm-hmm. Sounds like... Wi-Fi at libraries like Harvey Milk are really a lifeline for people like Joe. But can you walk us through what happened at the Harvey Milk branch where Joe is living? I want to just zoom out a little bit. It's a gorgeous library. It's in the heart of the Castro. It has this really nice fireplace at the front with cozy chairs. There's a patio out back with some plants. But for years, there have been complaints from some of the house neighbors in that area about some of the tent camping that has been going on on sidewalks in that area. There were actually complaints of some serious things, too, of of harassment, of needles being left around. And in general, just this being kind of a 
problematic space for where people were living, but also how community members who were housed were engaging with some of the unhoused residents there too. So these complaints had been lodged that the Wi-Fi may have something to do with that. And for several years, the library pushed back that changing its Wi-Fi services would resolve any of those issues, which we know are issues that exist across the city, that exist across the Bay Area. Um, It's certainly not limited to this one corner in the Castro. Last year, in 2022, the supervisor for this area, Supervisor Raphael Mandelman, elevated some of that pressure and spoke to the library uh, himself. And ultimately, last August, the library complied for the first time. And so the Wi-Fi has been turned off since last August, uh, after hours. Prior to this change, the Wi-Fi was on 24 hours, um, even when the buildings were closed for the night. Well, you mentioned Supervisor Raphael Mandelman, one of the key stakeholders in sort of the decision around what to do about the Wi-Fi. How does he, I guess, describe the justification for this decision? Yeah, you know, I think it's pretty clear that those who have supported this are trying to make this area less attractive for people who are homeless from staying there. That was that was what they said to me and that encampments in that area are problematic and they were pulling whatever levers they could to make it a less desirable place to sleep. It sounds like there's all these concerns coming from people in the neighborhood and complaints of all these encampments. And I can understand and sympathize with, like, feeling really concerned about seeing open-air drug use, like, on your way to the library. I mean, it's not a pretty sight. But what does that have to do with keeping the Wi-Fi on after hours? It's a great question, Erica, and I think that actually is is the rub here because there isn't a lot of evidence that connects those two things. The library studied crime and Wi-Fi in the area outside this specific branch back in 2017, so that gives you a sense of how long this <laughs> has been going on. And the study found no correlation between crime and Wi-Fi service. While the area outside the library has improved in some ways um, in, in recent months and years, that has no tangible connection to the Wi-Fi change. In fact, the city has done a few other things in that area that is probably more likely to have to do with it. They revitalized a mural that's outside the building. They have been more intentional about cleaning up the sidewalk. And actually, I spoke to some people who previously camped out there that are now living indoors in housing for the first time in years. And and that was also a result of some of the attention that's been given to this particular area. Well, Sydney, I am curious, do other branches in San Francisco or even the Baymore Broadly do this? 
So this is the only branch in San Francisco that does this. I did a quick search and I saw that San Bruno's public library also cuts off its Wi-Fi at night and similarly cites public safety as a reason why it does that. But the majority of libraries across the country do keep their Wi-Fi on 24-7. There was a study done uh, last year by the American Libraries Association, and it found that 93% of libraries keep their Wi-Fi on 24 hours, even after buildings close, because they saw just a high demand and need for it. I want to return to some of the people that you spoke with outside the library. How are the houseless people living outside feeling about this decision? You know, they told me that it feels punitive and that it doesn't make a lot of sense. It's spiteful is what it is. You know, it's like... They can't find anything else that, anything else, they can't find anything we're doing wrong, so they have to blame blame us for something so they can take something away to make that the problem when it's not us. You know, they they can still use the Wi-Fi during the day, so it's not like they've completely lost every connection that they have with their family, but it feels like just a little slap on the wrist in a way. And those are services that are still available across the city, so they feel like they're being particularly focused on and unfairly punished in this way. Why, why take that away from somebody? Yeah. Because we may not... We may they not. see us as less than. Yeah, yeah. You know, I know, I don't think... And, you know, I mean, what? They put their... And that makes me just think, Sydney, about, like, how this feels kind of ironic that this is happening in San Francisco, because hasn't San Francisco actually been investing, like, hella money into expanding internet access to people. Yeah, the the irony here is that just a few weeks ago, the city of San Francisco announced a program that was encouraging more low-income families to sign up for discounted internet service packages. So the city knows well that this gap exists. So just to see, you know, side by side, the the city saying, we want more people to be connected to the internet, but also we don't want these particular people to be connected to the internet, um, I think was a stark line that was drawn. The goal was to discourage homeless people from congregating outside of the library. So is, is it working? from the people that I heard from who do sleep there, it has certainly made things about life harder, but it hasn't necessarily changed their living situation and it doesn't look like it will. None of that necessarily has to do with keeping Wi-Fi on or off. And Joe, who I spoke to, said that he's still staying there. You know, he just can't access the same service that he could at night anymore. I mean, this isn't even really a Band-Aid to the bigger problem here. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think we're I think we're kidding ourselves a bit if if we think that removing services for communities that they were, you know, often intended for, uh, that that would somehow resolve some of the issues that we see in our streets. Thank you so much 
Thank you. That was Sydney Johnson, a digital reporter for KQED. We'll leave you a link to Sydney's story in our show notes. This 20-minute conversation with Sydney was cut down and edited by our intern, Jalen Herdman. Producer Maria Esquinka scored this episode and added all the tape. And Molly Solomon has been filling in for us as editor this week. The rest of our podcast team here at KQED includes Jen Chien, Cesar Saldana, Katie Springer, and Holly Kernan. And I am Erica Cruz Guevara. Thank you so much for listening to The Bay. I'll talk to you all next week. I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Randa Dirfetah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.